you're listening to The Tech Box. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of The Tech Box. I'm James Honeyball and with me today is Rich Fletcher. Hi, Rich. Hi, James. How are you doing? Nice to be back again. It's been a little while. I'm not sure that we've actually been together on the tech box but obviously you've done some shows with andy that have been great yeah i've had to slum it with andy hagen um but obviously i've you know something's been going right for me i've got a professional now (laughs) that i can talk to promoted to the top table absolutely cool so i because i guess it's probably been a little while let's go through your current uh setup what uh, toys are you currently playing with or using okay well Things have changed quite a bit for me since the last time I um, did any podcasting. I was running our various family businesses that we've got, and I could use pretty much whatever I wanted. So I chose to use um, Apple Kit for the most part, um, changing every now and again to like an all Google Kit, so maybe um, um, a Chromebook and the the you know the the Pixel and whatnot. But by and large, it was swapping between the two. So I was actually seconded to the. Department of Health to work on the uh, the COVID supply ins and outs and everything that's been going on in the last year. So I've been forced to use um, what I've been given, really, which is a Windows computer and a, an oldish um, iPhone, an iPhone 7 Plus. Um, so I've had to work with that kind of stuff, which is I actually prefer. Um, you know, if I don't have any choices, I can just get on with it and just just work. Mm. Um, but that's that's the work stuff. I've got like um, a ThinkPad, as you would expect, and um, with it being a, a government laptop, um, locked down, so I can't really do anything with it at all, which is also good. Um, but for my personal stuff, because I still do quite a bit with the business as well, so I have in front of me a um, MacBook Air, the M1. Um, and it's the the cheapest one you can get, the the baseline one, which is absolutely plenty for me. Mm. Um, I haven't been able to sort of push it, so I wouldn't be able to say whether it's fast or whether it's performant, but the thing that I do really like about it is I can pick it up at any time, and it's always got decent battery. Even if it's in the red, I can pretty much do anything that I need to and uh, and then get off it again and plug it in. It's, the battery life on it is fantastic. It's really impressive. Um Alongside that, I've got, um, at the moment, I've got a couple of iPhones. I've got an iPhone 12 mini and an iPhone 12 regular. Uh, the regular's up for sale at the moment, actually, on uh, on MiWi. And because I'm having a little bit of a, a switch around again, um, I've got um, a OnePlus 9 Pro incoming that I've purchased from um, from MiWi. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um I'm having a bit of a switch away from Apple again, I think. I'm not going to be quite as drastic as I normally am. Um, I'd really like to try and stick to one and, and just stick to it forever. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of um, you know keeping several different platforms and things like that. I like to try and. I think I've said I've described it before as tying my color to a mast and and just making the most of it. And so I'm looking forward to the One Plus. Um, I've got a Garmin um, Garmin watch coming as well. It's a I forget what it's called now. An Instinct Solar, I think. Um, so it's a monochrome screen, something very different to the i, uh, sorry, the the Apple Watch, but I'm hoping to focus more on fitness. So um, hopefully, that'll be that'll be a bit more use for me. Um, so as per usual, I'm looking forward to doing the the nonsense that is changing everything over from iCloud back into Google and all that kind of thing, um, and and just getting on with it again. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit later on about why I've come to this decision, um, and. 
just how long I think it'll last this time. But um, yeah, that's that's me at the moment. I've not got very much uh, other kit. I don't have an iPad. I'm trying to stop myself from buying iPads because I keep buying them and then not using them. And uh, it's just a little bit silly, really. So I, I'm trying to avoid buying another one of those. Um, but you're a pretty pretty regular iPad user, right? You use yours for media consumption and things. It's quite an old one now, but it's still still doing its job, isn't it? Yeah. So I think the difference to me is that I'm quite comfortable sitting across multiple ecosystems. I quite enjoy not being locked in or not choosing either ecosystem and not being locked into either ecosystem. So I use an iPad Pro around the house just as my laptop. Um, having said that, you know, obviously it, things are getting slightly complicated in the um, laptop space because, you know, the alternative to the, um, the iPad was always the uh, MacBook Air, which historically had a fairly feeble CPU and fairly rubbish keyboard. And of course, the new um, MacBook Air that you've got at the moment uh, is pretty sweet in terms of like really nice uh, CPU and the, it's got the normal, in inverted commas, keyboard back. So it's all a little bit up in the air at the moment. So I think uh, certainly at the moment, I look at what your your setup is. It seems like you've got quite a, a sweet setup in terms of... Um, the MacBook Air and the um, uh, the iPhones that you've got, and presumably you're going to sort of keep the well. Certainly, I, I can only assume you're going to keep the um, MacBook Air for the medium term. Yeah, I think so. I've I've been toying with the idea of getting a um, a, a Pixel Slate or even a you know the the Pixelbook Go, but I'm I'm not sure really. I mean, what I've got sat in front of me now is basically you, you can use it as a Chromebook if you really want to. So yeah. it would be silly for me to to do that, really, to cut my nose off to spite my face. So I'll probably end up keeping the MacBook Air for what I paid for it. Um, <clears throat> but it's it's interesting, actually, you, you're talking about iPads as, as a, a kind of a replacement or an alternative to the, um, to the MacBook Air. It is pretty interesting because the lines obviously are blurring at the moment with the, the new iPad, the new generation iPad having the M1 chip and, and some more RAM and things like that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it would be nice to think that there could be a day where you could carry around a nice 11-inch iPad um, and you could you know, nip in for a coffee or whatever on the way to work or on the train or wherever you were doing your commute and you could do some work on there. And when you got into the office, you'd drop it into a dock and you'd have you'd be able to boot it into macOS if you wanted to. Mm. Um, because it's certainly, there's nothing to stop it. It's possible. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting thought. I don't see Apple doing that, because obviously it will cannibalise the fact that they they can sell you two two items at the moment and uh, you would only need one. Um, but yeah, it, is, it would be nice. I mean, in the fullness of time, I'm sure the, um, the Pro range of phones will also have the M1 chip in there. So it'd be even more compelling to be able to, to dock that in the same way that you can a Samsung into, um, what's the Samsung system called? Dex. Dex, Dex yeah. That's right, yeah, Dex. Um, and I think Huawei do that as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think what we'll do then is we'll go through the Apple announcements that have, they've just okay. made recently, because I think um, it's really interesting talking through your uh, setup. But I think there's talking points related to each of the um, announcements that they had um, quite recently. So let's, should we go through them and uh, be interesting to get your thoughts on them? So I suppose the first announcement the first sort of one of interest i think is this new 
uh, iMac, the new M1 iMac uh, in mm. its lovely colours. What's your what's your thoughts on that one? I think they look fantastic. They look really nice. Um, they made some interesting decisions. So, you know, what they could have done in effect was to, f- because the chin contains all the the computer gubbins, if you will, they could have, in effect, folded that round the back mm. um, and had nothing but screen in the front and then a small, um, you know, extension at the back that, and then then it would just give way to like a bit like a camera bump, really, only much yeah. larger, obviously. Yeah, but yeah. They, they could have done that. Um, but I think on balance, as I look at it, I quite like it. And and I, I notice already that D-Brand and people like that have started doing skins for them as well, so you can have the Apple logo on the front and you can change the bezels from white to black and so on. But I think it's a nice a nice machine. I could see it in a in a kitchen, you know, in a nice dining kitchen somewhere at home or in a in a lobby of a hotel, you know, where they yeah. where it's more obvious choice is that. But um the the obvious um advantage with it is as well, you, what you're doing is you're replacing a very sort of entry level um educationy type machine with something that that can certainly fit that bill but can do so much more as well you know the m1 in that in that term um, in that iMac is no slouch by any means no absolutely i think it's a lovely looking uh device it just it really mm. it's the classic apple thing of really making me want one but i really have got no use for it do you know what i mean it's like i've got mm. the mac mini which is essentially the same machine inside um and 24 inch for the monitors probably not quite big enough and i like to have pc and mac using the same monitor which i've sort of discussed previously and i mentioned earlier about not wanting to be tied in but you know if i had my all white beach house you know looking out over the sea with lots of modern furniture inside then absolutely i'd want one of these sat on a a desk at the side i think it would uh set it off quite nicely uh, but I, th- I do think that it's really interesting that they've decided to go with that um compromise of having it super super thin so thin to the point where the headphone jack has got to go in sideways and there isn't even enough depth for a normal well there's not enough depth for a network connection a usb connection or even a power connection so they've had to solve all of those things um whilst making it super thin so the power is a custom like magsafe thing going into the back the uh ethernet they've had to put in the power brick uh and sort of ha- you know bring the ethernet through uh the power cable you know into the back there's there's the power brick itself you know i'm a big fan of the way that apple was always integrated the power bricks into their computer chassis so they're not cheating in inverted commas and having these big ugly power bricks uh lying around but they've decided to do that in uh in this case um and yeah the usba i don't know if i mentioned that one earlier you know um they've had to go with an all usb c on the back because they just don't have mm-hmm. the depth to plug anything in so presumably um when they do the bigger IMAX, they're going to have to make it thicker and support some of these things actually being plugged into the uh, into the iMac itself. Although I do quite yeah. like the I do I do quite like the idea of putting static connections into that power brick, especially for the um, for the laptops. So you can imagine, you know, they've got they're going super or current as they are today. There's not many um, ports on a power, on the side of the 
uh, laptops. Well, you could put your video out and your Ethernet in and out into your power brick if the power brick's going to be stationary. Yeah, I thought I thought Ethernet, Ethernet would probably work, but I'm not sure whether you would be able to put video or audio anywhere that close next to the power without getting some kind of interference. But um, I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure they can make it work. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is quite ingenious. I, I don't know why people are complaining that the power... The, the power pack itself is not integrated into the machine. I think it's a, you know, why wouldn't it live on the floor under the desk? That's the best place for it. It's cooler. It's out of the way. Everything else is far, yeah, far better. I suppose so. I suppose I'm just uh, used to Apple integrating the, the power bricks, meaning there's one less mm. thing to worry about on the floor. But Well, the, the MacBook Pro, the, the upcoming MacBook Pro, is rumoured to have all kinds of different ports. Yeah, I yeah. don't know whether that how true that is, but um, there's talk of HDMI. There's talk of um, I what the other SD one was. I think cards. it might have been an SD card. Yeah, and MagSafe. Yeah, yeah. They don't normally walk backwards, do they? That those those set of rumors seems to be very popular, which kind of leads me to think that it's probably true. Which would mm. be pretty blockbuster for Apple, as you say. They don't often walk stuff back. They have done a couple of times things like um do you remember when they went one step too far on the ipod shuffle and they kind of turned it into yeah. something with no no <laughs> buttons no interface and all the rest of it and then i think someone said okay guys i think we have actually gone slightly too far on this iPad, yeah. and they had to at least take it back to the one which had a a button and uh you know up down left right yeah it, it might be something i mean who knows it could be something to do with johnny i've not been there anymore um, perhaps yeah. he was really stuck on not going back to, to larger ports. Um, yeah. I've, I've no idea, really. But it's nice to see them do it. It is nice yeah. to see them do it, if yeah. they do. If they are genuinely reacting to customer complaints, I think that is good. I mean, obviously, they walked back the keyboard, didn't they? That was mm. demonstrably terrible. I think the utility of just having USB-C on the MacBooks wasn't the worst decision they've ever taken. Do you know what I mean? They, they kept no, the... I agree. They kept the headphone jack, uh, and you had the flexibility of powering from either side, which you never had before, and also having a maybe a universal power supply. So your laptop USB-C charger could power your laptop and your phone. Well, not in Apple's case, the phone, but could power your iPad Pro and other USB-C devices, your Android phone maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I thought that was okay. But, yeah, I, wel- I welcome the ports back. I haven't got a problem with any of those ports. No. Um, it's, it's an interesting one, though, isn't it, where people see their needs now because it's such a giant leap from um, from what we're used to with the Intel chips to these uh, new Apple Silicon chips. It's interesting to see how many people will pass up the the you know the opportunity for a MacBook Pro just to get the you know MacBook Air because it'll it'll do the job. Um, this one that I've got in front of me now is certainly it's um, it's just excellent. It's good all round. There's no no touch bar, which is good for me. Um, and it's just a, lo- a good little workhorse. I can see it sticking around for a long, long time. Yeah. There was obviously a bit of a scare at the start with the swap file issue and all that kind of thing, but I think that's pr- largely fixed now. Um, yeah, it's going to be but, a tough uh, sell for the for the upcoming, the inevitably upcoming MacBook Pro propers. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with the chip to make it more powerful. I mean, obviously having a few more Thunderbolt ports on. Uh, the MacBook Pro 16 inch and the um you know the iMac let's call it the iMac Pro or the iMac 27 inch whatever you know they're going to have to put multiple more than two Thunderbolt ports on there 
presumably the chips will be faster. But, you know, at the end of the day, that MacBook Air is def- at the moment definitely fast enough. You know, and if it's mm. too much faster than that, you are starting to uh, be in a situation where there's literally excess power. Do you know what I mean? You know, there's yeah, so, so fast. I mean, I, I use it, I use my M1 and there's nothing on here that I think, oh, yeah, you know, that's a bit slow. Um, but I guess if you're compiling or encoding or doing video work, then the more power, the better, I suppose. So I suppose there will be a market for it. Yeah, absolutely. That was the iMac. So what came after that? So should we skip over the purple iPhone? Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, don't really have too much to say about that. Um, looks fine. Uh, so one thing that got released uh, in this um, announced set of announcements that I've actually did get is the air tags or air tag mm-hmm. uh, so i'm now in receipt of a bunch of air tags and uh, i've been playing around with them and they seem pretty good actually uh, the there's only one minor uh, sort of gripe in terms of what was promised and and the reality and that is i don't know if you've seen the graphic the idea of these air tags is that if you lose your you attach them to your keys or some other object and if you lose it then you can use your iPhone to kind of as a sort of tracking device to get back yeah. to, to your AirTag. And one of the really cool things was that with the ultra wideband tech that's in the um, iPhone 11 and the iPhone 12s, it would be able to give you an arrow to point in the yep, room that's right. how many feet away or how many meters away it was and exactly where it is. Now, for me, that doesn't kick in until you're pretty close. So maybe not too much of a big problem for me but i don't live in a huge house but i can imagine that if you lived in a big house with big rooms then actually it might not be quite as uh handy uh, and not quite as quick to find your keys or whatever um as you might have imagined but you do have the option to sort of play a little beeping noise from them which is quite useful in uh identifying them as well um yeah the one use case that i I was looking towards, but I'm wondering now if it's going to be feasible, was just chucking it in my glove compartment and seeing if I can track my car with it. And I have actually done that. And I can see that at the moment, me just sort of mooching around my house, uh, it's still considering the AirTag as being with me. So I'm not going to, you know, it's basically got these um, anti-stalking privacy protection things in where you can't you know i can't slip one of my air tags into your pocket and track your movements um it's not it's kind of been designed very cleverly actually because i would never have thought of any of these things um they've put specific uh, actions in to prevent you doing that so if an air tag is disconnected from me for i think it's three days the AirTag itself will start beeping. It will start announcing itself. If you've got an iPhone, it will start popping up on your iPhone telling you that you've got you've been bugged, basically, uh, which is mm. good stuff. You know, I that, that, that can see some good practical reasons behind that. But I was thinking it might stop me. One of the use cases that I was thinking is put it in the glove compartment in my car. And if you've left your car in a multi-storey or in a big car park, you'd be able to find it again. And I was just thinking, well, if I left my car for a week or two weeks whilst I went away on holiday and then I came back to the airport and wondered where I'd left it, could I use the um, air tag to help me track it? Sounds like the battery would be flat with it beeping all the time. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But I was thinking, well, does it matter if it is beeping all the time? Because whilst it's kind of like in distress, is it still working? That's something that probably I need to check out. You know, I don't mm. mind it beeping in my glove box because 
you know, if a air tag beeps in your glove box, does anybody hear it scream? You know, Schrodinger's air tag. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to using them more. I haven't lost my keys yet, which is frustrating because obviously uh, I've not really been able to use them in anger. Mm. Um, but I think they're a really cool bit of tech. And um, yeah, I mean, I I ordered some um, and I subsequently cancelled them actually. Um, but I, I use a tile at the moment. My wife and I have a tile on our keys, and they come in handy quite a lot. They do um, because my wife likes to leave keys lying around sometimes in the car. Still, if she's bringing stuff in in from the car, she'll sometimes leave the keys in the car, which is obviously great. Um, so they do come in handy, but there were a few things that I was hoping to be able to use them for that I can't use them for because of the safety features that um, that Apple have implemented. So um, I was hoping that you know when we go to Alton Towers and things like that, when the when the lockdowns settle down a little bit, I could have one. You know, I was thinking maybe there would be kids wristbands where you could slip yeah, these into. Yeah. So that you could, you know, just make sure that if your kid, you know, wanders off a little bit too far or whatever. But of course, it's kind of, it's a little bit like having one of those, um, like um, an outdoor security camera that's battery operated and works with like um, an SD card rather than connected to the internet. All you really, you know, you can see people coming and going, but all they really need to do is pull it off the wall. You know, and, and it's the same with the air tags. All, all that would need to happen is you'd locate the air tag, take the battery out. And that's that. They're dissuading you from using it to track people. Yes. But could you track your kids with it? Because you're not going to hopefully lose them for more than three days. Do you know what I mean? It'll yes. Be, I would notice, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it'd be like Home Alone, you know. It would only be the third yeah. day at Alton Towers where you realise you've you know lost all your kids. But Yeah, I've been reading a little bit as well that people are a bit... Um, I mean, this is something that they can easily fix, and they may well fix. But if you're in a family um, group, an Apple family group, you can't find each other's tags, mm. which is a little bit. I don't know. I can see why it would be useful, but I could also see why they haven't included that just yet. Um, you know, it, I think they're great. I think Apple have made some interesting design choices that um, that, that I that I find quite interesting. So, for example, use a changeable battery. That's very un-Apple. But then, you know, you can contrast that by the fact that they don't have a loop on them. <laughs> so you can't just use them, you know, on their own on a key ring. You have to yeah. buy a third-party thing. And, of course, I don't know whether you've seen them or not. Have you seen the Hermes um, luggage tag? Of course, yeah. yeah. It's just Bargain. amazing. But anyway, uh, each to their own, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, I, I like them. I think they're good little things. I like the fact that you can, um, that you can put emoji on them and have those... Um, you know, those etched on there as well. I think they're a good little idea. And it's an, yet another way for people to stick within that ecosystem. It's another little benefit to yeah. keep people in there. Yeah. Um, which is great in one respect, but it's also something that is repelling me slightly as, mm. as time goes on. I think that's one thing that's... Because I was... When they first got announced, I was thinking, okay, I'll get them because, you know, this has been previewed. Then I was kind of thinking exactly what you're saying there in terms of, well, actually, it'd be nice if there was a multi-platform version of this. But the the beauty of the AirTag is that it's going to use the network, you know, anonymously use the network of however many billion iPhones there are out there. So what manufacturer gets close to the level of penetration that apple does in the places that you're tending to go i mean even samsung is only one of a few uh 
uh, Android manufacturers. Okay, it's um, it's pretty pervasive in the UK, for instance. But you know, if you go to lots of other countries around the world, the dominant uh, Android manufacturer is not going to be such. App- it's not going to be so dominated by Samsung. You know, you're going to get mm. a lot of other manufacturers in there. So how? Do you have a like a multi ecosystem version of this? I think that's where the AirTag really wins. Even though it's only iOS, it's every iOS. Yeah, and regardless of whether it's got UWB, of course, I think it because the network still works, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it's exactly the same as the as the um, as the tile. The tile has this feature as well, but of course, not that many people have tiles. Um, but uh, yeah, the tile can use the the network of other tile users, um, but of course they just haven't been able to flick that switch like Apple have been able to, and just give you access to all these phones and all these users. Um, so yeah, it is interesting. But um, I, I, like I said, I think it's a fantastic product. It's not right. It's not the right time for me at the moment to get one because I'm not sure exactly what I want to do in terms of um, you know technology and, and where I want to go. Mm. with it because I'm, I'm certainly not going to go investing in anything else in apple just yet so i suppose actually this is a good question so they also launched the new apple tv 4k which i've got some thoughts about but before we dive into that what's your uh entertainment setup so we've gone through your sort of phone mm. your laptop uh your lack of ipad but in terms of um sitting down in front of the tv what's the technology involved there mostly amazon kit so i have um i have a fire tv 4k fire tv on pretty much every television in the house i think um because they're so inexpensive and you can i think it's the most agreeable platform in terms of everything else working on it at the moment yeah um so i have a cube i have a fire cube in the main room um, I have various Echo Studio. I've, I've got two Echo Studios. I've got an Echo Sub. I've got an Echo Show. And I've got some of the new Echo, well, just the round balls, the, the, the larger of the two. Um, I've got one of those in the kitchen. Um, but I, I like them. I find them all right. And the kids, the kids really like them as well. They like interacting with it and using it. It's very intelligent. Um, and I like being able to play my music wherever. It's, it's very simple. It kind of does it. It does um, deliver on the promise of what what home automation is supposed to be. So we've got a lot of smart plugs and things for the lights. And I never ever saw myself doing that to be honest. But the benefits are, are pretty good. Um, so yeah, the, the Fire Stick is really what I'm using it on. I've got a, a pretty obscenely large TV in the main room. Um, but I have a, a smaller TV in the, we've got like a, an extension. Um, but the, the frustration with that is because it's all sliding doors and glass and things like that, the, the sun comes in and you can barely see what's on the TV anyway. Um, <clears throat> but no, I, I, I enjoy them at the moment. I've got Sky as a backbone, but I'm sort of trying to get rid of it really. We don't really use it very much. My, my wife's still quite into it, but she's just got that mental block on. She likes the interface. She knows the interface, and she absolutely detests change. Um, so it's going to be quite difficult to wean her from that. But we've got a very um, long, thin house, and it's quite old, so the walls are very thick. And the SkyQ system, the mesh system that it uses, is quite infuriating at times. Um, I think it's getting confused with um, two point five. Uh, sorry, two point four G and and five G and 
um, you know, the, the different uh, the different network frequencies yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. It just I've got a few boosters lying around for it as well, but it doesn't seem to help. But as I say, it's, by and large, it's not too bad at the moment. It's not too bad. It sounds like you've got uh, yeah. uh, Siri or <laughs> Alexa sort of That's Alexa coming through to you. Someone's, yeah, someone's come in because my office, I work at home now. The, the office is at one side of the house and... Uh, so if we get deliveries and things like that, I have a ring doorbell so I can see who's come in, which delivery man it is, and just ask them to leave it where it is, or I can leave the call and go and see to them. It's pretty good. Again, that's another um, that's another sort of Amazon property, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, have just sorted out my ring. Uh, I've got a ring doorbell and a ring floodlight, uh, and I've only just got round to fitting the ring floodlight on the back um, because I already had a floodlight mounted even though it had um, died many years ago uh, it was fairly straightforward for me to uh, get my ladder out and uh, fit this uh, ring floodlight so I've done that and I've started playing about with that and I'm really happy with it um, but I've not fitted my ring doorbell yet but uh, yeah it's a great it works really well uh, you know I and I do like the Amazon ecosystem as well i mean i've got a couple of the fire sticks and they are really great and as you say they have got really broad support across uh apps um nice little user interface nippy enough um i think they're really impressive um and i i'm quite jealous that you've got the cube because that's the uh, the big daddy of the uh, fire tv devices so do you notice that being a lot quicker than the um sticks not really to be honest i mean the advantage that it's got is that it's got the speaker in it so you can you know you can speak to um mrs a the lady in the can yeah, yeah. mrs a and uh, and it'll speak back to you and you can turn the TV on and off and you can get it to show you various different security cameras that are around and all that kind of thing. Uh, so it's kind of doubling up as a, an Alexa and a uh, Yeah, a that's box. right. It's a nice halfway house and there's some different, uh, there's, I think there's some more more storage capacity in there and things like that, but I, I don't really use that kind of thing, to be honest. I, uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to just uh, watch what's on what's on Amazon Prime to be honest there's some there's plenty of good stuff on there and uh yeah it'll do for me yeah now I've long since got enough TV suppliers that there is probably about 10 times as much TV available um that I've ever got any time to watch and you're right I mean I think if you if I was restricted to just one supplier I'd probably be perfectly fine you know I'd probably be able to uh, pass the time with either you know, Sky or Now TV or Amazon or Netflix, you know, I've got all of them, but, you know, I only really probably need one, you know, at any <laughs> one time, especially if you complement that with uh, Freeview, which you may as well do because it's obviously free. But um, yeah. So moving on then to the new Apple TV 4K. Now, this was interesting because this got rumoured quite heavily. And I was always of the opinion of, why do Apple need to update the Apple TV 4K? Because the existing box, which I've got two of, does all of the features that you need for video. Do you know what I mean? It does yeah. 4K, it does HDR, it does Dolby Vision, does Dolby Atmos. There's certain things that it doesn't do with regards to supporting some other uh, audio codecs and things that it just wouldn't be in Apple's... Um, you know, it's not typical for them to sort of support those kinds of things. So in terms of what you can reasonably expect it to do, it does it perfectly. Um, yeah. And I would go as far as to say that it is the, it's one of 
the Rolls Royces of the TV streaming world. Do you know what I mean? It is, I would say that the NVIDIA Shield is good for other reasons. But in terms of if you want the widest application support and the best application support, you know, all the applications, all of the video applications on Apple TV are really well done. And by and large, they all have the best features on Apple TV in terms of 24 frame playback in terms of Dolby Vision support in terms of Dolby Atmos support if the application's available and it's on the Apple TV it's probably got all of those three things built into it and those things are missing on all the other systems so whilst I love the Fire TV infrastructure it doesn't typically support 24 frames a second outside of the Amazon Prime TV app you know so Netflix Mm -hmm. is 60, 60 frames a second if you want it in 24 frames a second, you've got to go around playing around in the settings and change everything yeah. down to 24 for a second. So it's just little things like that which made the Apple TV the Rolls-Royce platform. And yeah. yes, the remote control was absolutely hideous and they have updated that, but they've made it backwards compatible. So they could have just released that new controller. Yeah, so I've... Um... I've listened to a few podcasts, actually, where they've discussed the new Apple TV, and I think there's a couple of interesting points to make. One is the new controller, whilst it's much better than the old one in a lot of ways, it doesn't contain gyros anymore. So you can't game with it in the way that you could with the with the old one. You could use the tilt and, and whatnot to play the casual games with, with, the, with the controller. And the other thing is with the... And we are very different customers, you and I, when it comes to things like this, because I know that you like your Dolby Atmos and you like to have perfect, you know, the, the best sound quality and the best picture you can you can get. Um, whereas uh, there's no point for me because I have children. So there's no point I'm going to... There's no chance I'm going to be enjoying a full feature film. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, um, I was told that the... So, so the HDMI port has been upgraded to 2.1. But the software has been made to only run it at 4K60, which is the same as the old Apple TV 4K was capable of doing. So whilst in theory it can do 120 frames a second or whatever you you want to get out of your 2.1 HDMI, um, it won't actually. It's not. It won't support it. So no. I find that a little bit odd as well. Maybe it's something they'll they'll mess around with with an update. I tend to find sometimes Apple do protect their products when they initially launch them and kind of stress test them a little bit out there in the market and then turn the you know turn the features on a little bit here and there just to um you know just to see see what's what with it yeah they did do put some strange i've told this um what is it like a, a moisture detector or something that's in the um the home pod mini that's not used and not referenced oh, a anywhere. Barometer or something, some yeah, pressure something monitor like or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, you're right. The um, the specs on paper don't seem to be hugely different to the existing uh, 4K Apple TV. There's one feature that certainly didn't. So that as soon as I got the iPhone 12 Pro, which I knew did 60 frames a second Dolby Vision, I tried to watch some of that footage back on my apple tv 4k and it didn't work um and part of this new apple tv 4k is they're now saying it will work you'll be able to airplay the 60 frames a second dolby vision video into this new apple tv 4k and it will display it on um on your tv now i don't know if they're going to bring any of that back to the previous apple tv 4k whether they're going to maybe support the 30 frames a second 
Dolby Vision over AirPlay or whether they're just not going to support HDR over AirPlay on on or what. It's a, it's, it's an interesting one because the flavour of Dolby Vision is very different on the iPhone to what the Apple TV 4K has historically been using. Mm. I, I must say, if I had drawn the short straw and had to, if I was an Apple employee and I had to present any of the products that they launched, the TV would definitely not have been the one that I'd wanted to do. They were really scrambling to to show its benefits, yeah. I thought, personally. Yeah. Um, and it is difficult because a lot of that product is hampered by you know, the TV that you're using or yeah. the, the, yeah. the platform that you're using within the, within the device itself, like... Netflix or Amazon or whatever, they might uh, reduce the quality for the streaming. Um, so it is quite difficult, but I thought they were grasping a little bit when they were talking about um, various new features and whatnot, especially the color calibration on the screen, which I believe you can do with the, um, you can do that with the previous generation as well. Yeah. It's a nice touch though. It's, it's a nice, it's a clever little bit of, it's a nice clever touch, but you know, you're only really, you should be calibrating the TV to be yeah. displaying stuff properly, not calibrating the source, because then every, all of your other sources are still going to be wrong. That's and right. um, it sounds like it's got a little bit of potential to get itself in a bit of a mess. But I guess if maybe if you get close enough with calibrating the TV and then you calibrate your Apple TV and it just sort of tweaks that final couple of percent and it means that watching stuff on the Apple TV is really good, maybe. But I'm not... 100% convinced and I'm a little bit scared of running it because I don't want it to wreck everything. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, I think I'm tempted to pick up one of these um, new remote controls anyway because um, they do seem to be an improvement on the old one. Yeah, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't find the old one that egregious to be fair. I just, um, it was a little bit annoying you had to pick it up like it was covered in wet paint or whatever yeah, for fear exactly, of, yeah. you know, for fear of touching the trackpad. But uh, the thing that used to annoy me more than anything about the Apple TV it was the fact that it would just randomly ask you to put your password in all the time. And that's not a fun thing to have to do when you've no. got that little swipey um, interface to use. No, exactly. Um, but it does have the cool thing where you can, um, if you've got your iPhone handy and you get a uh, an input box on Apple TV, you can use the um, keyboard from mm. your iPhone to enter stuff. That's quite cool. It is cool. It is, definitely. It is. That's the plus side of the walled garden, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so the last thing that's probably worth mentioning is the iPad Pro. And really, I suppose the big news here is that they... There's two things, I suppose. One is that they put the M1 chip in it and they called it the M1 chip. Mm-hmm. which is a bit strange from a branding point of view. You would have thought, they, you know, why not just keep going with the uh, A15 or A14 or whatever they're up to? Um, but I can see them putting the M series in the Pro phone, you know. So just they're just all of their chips now, they'll just use this M1 branding or MX branding or whatever they, whatever they want to yeah. call it. Yeah. But I don't know whether you can have an M series chip with six gigs of RAM or something like that, which is what the phone would probably be happiest using. Um, That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, is this literally an identical chip to the one that they've got in your um, MacBook Air? Or is it just they've called it the M1 chip and it's similar and it's got some mm. of the same architectural features? Or, I mean, I guess well, it's from probably... what I understand it is, yeah. I mean, you've got so you've got your A and then your numbers for the phone and then you've got your A and your numbers and your X for the iPad. Um, they have more graphics cores, I think, with the X, don't they? Mm. Um but I'm, I think it's a very, very close um, relative is the M1 to the to the X variant of the A series. 
Yeah, so I guess they're thinking, well, we might as well just call it the M1 then. Mm. So do you have any thoughts on this uh, iPad Pro? I mean, it's essentially a fairly incremental update, I suppose. There's nothing dramatic about it. I think I'm just going to say what most other people are saying, which is for a long time now, the iPad hardware has been way beyond what the software requires of it. The software is what hampers the iPad, in my opinion. Um, there's a big, there's a steep learning curve if you want to use it as Apple want you to use it, which is, you know, bringing in, in windows from the side and split view and everything else. But um, for me, I've, I've never been able to just get on with them all the time. And I know there's a lot of people out there that say that, that you know, that will say, oh, you can't do proper work on a on an iPad. And it depends what your proper work involves. You know, somebody like Federico Vitici, for example, he's, he's a, he's a, well, I'd say he's a glorified blogger. That's not that's a bit unfair. He runs a website and he creates articles and he does research. And that's an iPad's perfect for that. Absolutely perfect. Um, and you can obviously you can do video editing and all that kind of thing on them now as well. But I look at an iPad 11 from 2018 and I look at a brand new iPad 11 inch now with an M1 chip and 16 gigabytes of RAM or 8 gigabytes of RAM, whatever it is. And I can't tell you what the differences other than the internals and what real world differences I would notice day to day. Yeah. That's just the 11 inch, mind you. Yeah. So I suppose the one thing that it is probably worth mentioning is the fact that they've finally, after the much rumored across multiple products have come up with their first mini led panel, uh, which they've put on the 12.9 inch iPad pro, which is a bit of a shame because I've already got a big one, and because they're so fast, these iPad Pros dating back many years, I don't have, I don't feel any compulsion to upgrade that iPad Pro that no. I've got. Yes, I'd like the new screen; that's fine. But you know, these are a thousand pound devices, so I'm a little bit put off by that. But if they'd have bought the new screen tech out on the 11 inch, I might have been tempted to have that as the sort of companion because I, yes. you know, the number of micro LEDs they've packed into this screen i think it could give a really oled type effect mm-hmm. to the screen and a nice 13 inch lcd screen with blacks as dark as oled and br- bright whites that are you know retina searing what does the um what does the tab s7 run screen wise the samsung is that's that an oled that's oled yeah and obviously the oleds on the samsung tablets are pretty good i think i uh, sold you a tab s in the day that had a half decent OLED on it. I think you're probably right, actually. Yeah. But this, uh, I, I mean, I, there are some advantages to LCD. Sometimes an LCD does just kind of look a little bit nicer and easier on the eye sometimes. Although hmm. AMOLEDs keep getting better and better every year, or OLEDs keep getting better and better every year. I do think this screen tech is quite exciting and I, I would like to have a device with it. So, yeah, if someone gave me this iPad Pro, I'd be very, very happy. Um, yeah, but the money is a little bit eye-watering. I think the the really interesting discussion point is what you're saying about the software letting it down. Because I think the beauty of the iPad is the simplicity, and I think even with the gestures across both the iPad and the iPhone, I think that adds complexity over the home button. And for me, it's, you know, it's a walk in the park. I I can you know flick from the bottom of the screen to go home and flick halfway to uh, go to the task switcher you know i'm perfectly okay with that but it is a little bit 
of an art. It is a little bit tricky. It's not very discoverable. The home button was nice and simple. So as the all screen iOS devices mature and they're packing more and more features into them, I think it takes away from the core simplicity of it, the core discoverability of the interface. And Mm. I worry for this clamour for the iPad Pro to be all things to all people and for it to have these pro apps on there. You know, people desperate to cram Xcode on there, people desperate to put, um, what's the video editing? uh, Final Cut. Final Cut Pro on there. And I'm thinking, guys, you've got Macs for for those particular bits of software. The software on the iPad needs to be touch first and full screen. That's the essence of an iPad. An iPad isn't windowed. It's not, you know, Windows icon, mouse pointer. You know, that's not the paradigm of the iPad. If you want it's to get... a very different way of working as well, exactly, isn't it? You're forced exactly. to do to do one thing at once, and that's that's how a lot of people like to work. So yeah. it does have advantages that way. You know, I quite like the idea that you can, you know, you could have a YouTube, even though it's actually, I don't think it's actually possible with YouTube, but you could have a video playing in the corner whilst you're maybe uh, putting a document together. But, you know, multitasking over and above sort of that I think is probably asking a little bit too much I'd rather they kept the iPad focused on its primary interface you know the touch interface the single application running the swipe based gesture based you know keep it like that don't try and introduce uh, you know Mac features into the iPad complexities Mm. complexities exactly you know they did a a reasonable job with the mouse support they've kind of kept that um iPad E, but um, yeah, I do worry about this clamour, especially as we have this, um, you know, eight gig and sixteen gig available on uh, the iPad now. And as a lot of people have highlighted, Apple have never told you how much RAM there is in the phone or the iPad. You know, mm. it's got enough RAM in it to do iPad and iPhone things, so you don't need to worry about it. You know, uh, but now they're with the i these latest iPad Pros, they're being very specific and saying. This has got eight gigabytes of RAM. This has got 16 gigabytes of RAM, which adds to my worry about this. You know, they've they've said it's got an M1 chip. They've said it's got eight gigs of RAM or or 16 gig of RAM. Um, Do you share my concern for um, them crowbarring some uh, MacOS things onto here that could cludge the whole thing up? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to say that just because you can do a thing, it doesn't mean that you should do it. Exactly. Um, And... But but I can see, I don't know. I've worked, you know, most of my life in marketing and, and sales and things like that. And and often you will hear, and you still hear it now in the phone world. Oh, I would have bought that phone if only it had this thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, you, you probably wouldn't. Um, and it's just, you know, every, everyone's got that extra thing that they would have bought it if they if it had it. And I don't think that's always true. And I think if you follow um, exactly what your customers want saying that they want sometimes you can end up you know wasting a lot of time and money and obviously apple aren't guilty of that at all they really don't listen to no they don't listen all that well to what their customers want but they do end up doing quite well out of it yeah i think that was steve jobs one of steve jobs kind of famous uh not exactly sayings but um the ways that he worked is that he was like we will build you a great product and you will like it we won't ask you uh, for what product yeah. you want it's about the whole thing of um you know 
if you didn't invent the car, then your customers would just ask for a better horse, you know. Faster horse, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's what they wanted before the car came along, isn't it, a faster horse? Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I, I do, though, have a, what's the way of saying it? I do have a theory about how they can get out of this uh, situation well and a, a way that I would approve of. So um, when it comes to having these M1 chips and 16 gig of RAM and an iPad, for me, I'm quite happy if you make Safari blisteringly quick on that iPad because you've backed it with an M1 chip and 16 gig of RAM, I'm happy with that. Do you know what I mean? It's one of the most mm-hmm. impressive things on my current iPad. Um, but if the temptation is there to put the all this hardware to some other use, then how about this? So on my current iPad Pro, one of the apps that I use quite often is Remote Desktop. And I'll use it to remote desktop into one of my PCs. And the interface is a little bit clumsy, um, but it's it works. You know, so if I want to check something on my PC, I can remote desktop into it from my iPad, um, do whatever I want to do, pretty much do absolutely everything uh, and then close it down. Right now, the other application that you probably would have used in your time, Rich, would be something like VirtualBox. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've got in my head is a kind of VirtualBox application for macOS that is, sorry, for the iPad that is macOS. So you basically turn your iPad on. One of the apps is macOS. You touch that and you're straight into a macOS desktop. It's completely separate to the iPad. You know, they don't overlap. Maybe they have some Mm -hmm. shared storage. So the photos and the file system is shared between them. And if you happen to have a one of those kind of uh, trackpad and keyboard cases, then that integrates really nicely with this kind of macOS desktop that you've got access to on it. If you are using it just as an iPad without a uh, a keyboard or a mouse, then it will be as if it's like a remote desktop, i.e. controlling the mouse will be a little bit tricky, but it's not impossible. The way that it, uh, the way I I tend to, I think you've got a few options on remote desktop. I use the Microsoft remote desktop on uh, iPad. The one that I use is, Essentially, you control the mouse on the screen with gestures and it kind of follows where your finger goes, but it's not, um, it doesn't, the, the cursor doesn't move to where your finger goes. If the cursor's in the bottom left and your finger touches the top right and just gestures up, the, the mouse moves up. You should see what mm-hmm. I mean by that. That's actually the way that I prefer to uh, control the mouse when I'm using remote desktop. And I think that would work really well f- to have a kind of MacOS application. Yeah. Now, once you've got that, you know, you can then use your 16 gig of RAM. You can use Xcode. You can use Final Cut Pro. You can use any Mac program on there. Apple then just says, look, we've taken the responsibility of giving you all of these pro apps in the macOS desktop application. Do whatever you want in there. It's going to run super fast, pretty much the same speed as the M1 chip runs on your uh, MacBook Pro. Um Take full advantage of the uh, Thunderbolt out so you can run separate monitors, docks, all the rest of it. Um, Then I think if they do that, they're separating it enough so it's not interfering with my basic iPad experience. But they're giving the people who are crying out for more powerful applications, more utility in their iPad. It's giving them an out for that. What do you think? Yep. 
I think it's a great idea. It's very similar to what I was talking to at the, at the start of the show, where you would be on your, on your commute using the iPad features, and then you would drop it into a dock, and you'd boot it into macOS. It's, it sounds like it sounds perfect. I mean, they've got so much flexibility at their fingertips now. You could even, if you think of um, if you think of one of these new iMacs in a in a retail setting, um, where it was used as an iMac and then it was spun around. It's a touch screen, and there's your point of sale as well. You know, it could run that could run iPad as um, iPad OS as well on a twenty four inch screen. I think there's a lot of people that would get an awful lot out of that. So you'd see it going the other way, where you'd um... well, why not? It's possible. Yeah, I yeah, it is possible. It's probably unlikely to happen either way. But having said that, I suppose um, whilst they don't have the touch screens on the Macs, they, you can run the iPhone applications directly on there. Yeah, I think the, the, I think it's commercially, you know, for commercial reasons, they won't enter into any of this. If they can sell you a, an iPad and a Mac and an iPhone and all these different things, then they will. Um, and, and that's what's going to keep the shareholders happy. They it's don't, not... Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, they don't mind cannibalising their products from time to time. So, for instance, no, um, you know, they bought the iPhone out knowing that it would kill that one of their major businesses, which was their iPod at the time. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, I think you've got several very strong sectors, though, now with iPad and Mac and iPhone. I think they're uh, they're all very strong. Um, so any one of them could t- take them into the future, um, but obviously it's iPhone at the moment, which is the lion's share of their their revenue, isn't it? Still, yeah. So we so we wait WWDC to see exactly what they're going to do with the iPad Pro with the M1 chip. Yeah, they've got to do something. Yeah. No way they can just leave it as it is. I mean, just to just to finish off my whinging about the uh, the iPad, I think I put this in our chat group um, a week ago or so. I, I looked at the pricing and I thought, right, okay, so you can get a 12.9 inch iPad Pro for 999 pounds, and that's got 128 gigs of storage in it. If you want two terabytes of storage, the price doubles to £2,000. So Apple are basically valuing an extra eight gigabytes of RAM and two terabytes of storage at £1,000, which I think is, it's really, it's just cynical taxation. It's just, it's a case of, you know, if, if you've got money for an iPad Pro, then we'll have a little bit more off you, please, for, you know, for some more storage and things. It's, um, it's this, I mean, rightly or wrongly, when they talk about they they use the same sort of language when they talk about the Pro Retina display or the the what is it called the X oh, XDR remember. XDR yeah the the fancy display that they've got with the the stand that's a thousand pounds for the oh, stand yes. yeah, yeah. and people just say oh well well people will pay it yeah. is, is that is that a reason to to do it to to price it at that because people will pay it that's just I think it's just ridiculous but um. I know I'm not on my own there, but it, I'm screaming into the abyss because um, you know people will pay it. People will pay six hundred pounds for four wheels to go underneath their Mac, uh, their Mac Pro and things. So they must be doing something right, and people are obviously happy enough to do it. Yeah, I think a thousand pound for a two terabyte SSD and eight gig of RAM is uh, is pretty egregious. I think it, the only consolation you can have is that you can assume that the RAM is probably fairly quick and the yeah. SSD is probably fairly quick and, and long lasting. But even so, even if you've got the top end PC components uh, for that, it, it's not going to cost you a thousand pounds. 
Well, maybe they're doing it because they don't envisage themselves, you know, selling many of them at that. I know Gav's got, um, I think he's got a, is it a terabyte he's got in his iPad? Or is it 512? I can't remember. But he, he doesn't use all of it, but although he does use quite a lot compared with the rest of us, he does have a, you know, quite a big, um, a big requirement for storage, doesn't he? But, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've listed out there all the reasons why well, most well, I suppose not all the reasons, but we've certainly listed out some really good tech that uh, Apple are currently offering. But you seem to be sort of moving a little bit away from Apple as uh, your tech supplier. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I just for for reasons like like the one we just talked about there about a thousand pounds for for RAM and ROM, <laughs> um, and and things like that. And I just see as I take a step back and I look at tech, I just think, who is it that's um, you know, who is it that's creating for everybody and who is it that's creating for just themselves? And when I look at a WWDC, I come out of it thinking, you've made some fantastic, you know, developments there and you're keeping them all to yourself. They're not for the benefit of everybody. In fact, they're quite elitist and, um, you know, they're not very accessible at all to everybody. And then when you watch a, a Google I.O., it's, it's like, you know, here's some cool stuff that we've invented that's, that's available for everybody to use. And yeah, you can be, you know, double cynical and say the only reason that Google um, produce anything is in order to get your data. But I don't know. I'm thinking very hard about this whole data and privacy thing as well. And I think it's, um, I think it suits Apple very well to to be banging on about privacy a lot at the moment. Um, but I don't think I'm, I'm not sure. It's I don't think they have a choice. I think they have to differentiate. They don't have any data. The Siri is poor, and it's been poor for a long time, and it's not looking like it's improving very much. And the reason for that is because they don't have the data. Um, now, this new system that Google's going to bring out, where they, they put you in cohorts, this is for tracking, by the way, on the internet, um, for advertising and so on. When they put you in cohorts and, and, and things, rather than tracking your personal movements, that's been said by quite a few people that that's effective and everybody wins because you're not pigeonholed and yet Google can still serve relevant adverts to you as relevant as they need to be. Um, and also, if you cast your mind back a couple of years, Apple were on stage saying, we've invented this new thing um, called differential privacy, where basically saying differential privacy is, is where they take um, a cross-section of data. They don't drill down to whose data it is or anything else and they jumble it all up and they you know the, the calculations are made on that and the very sarcastic comment made was you know it turns out that you don't need everyone's data to show you a picture of a mountain and it's like you know apple tend to when they make bold statements like that they always tend to <laughs> they always tend to eat their words like when phil schiller said um, can't innovate my ass and then they produced that cylindrical uh, Mac Pro, which didn't last very long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think, um, I, I don't know, I think the, the general public are jumping on the whole privacy bandwagon as well, and obviously Apple are upsetting people by saying, um, you know, you're going to have these these uh, pop-ups that say, would you like to be tracked and, and, and whatnot. And I don't think people are fully aware of the decision that they're making. I don't think they're fully aware of what they get. Um, and I I do think it's wrong that people are tracked to the sort of degree that they are tracked. But I think it's wrong because they don't have the agency, they don't have the power to decide 
who their valuable resources go to, you know, who their information goes to. Um, I think if that was a bit clearer, then I think we'd be all, all be a little bit happier. I mean, if you overnight took away everything that Google had produced for free, I think people would be up in arms. They'd be like, well, what's going on? Why, where's my Gmail? Where's, why am I being charged for this, this, and this? It's like, yeah, well, because, yeah. you know, we're not tracking you anymore. We value your privacy, and we don't want to know what TV shows you, you're looking at and what, how much you make and all that kind of thing. We don't, we're not going to be taking that data anymore. Yeah. I think you probably find that people say, no, I'm okay, thanks. You can, you can know that stuff. It's fine. It's difficult, isn't it? Because ideally you would have a bunch of adverts that are directly targeted to you that are genuinely interesting and diverting and you know you yeah. you 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 look at a couple and you actually say okay yeah, i'm going to buy that because i want that you know i want this service i want that product looks good yeah. you know i'm quite happy to be advertised towards and i'm quite happy to buy stuff that is is for me i don't like being advertised stuff that i'm not interested in but at the same time you know you you flip up a, a message that says do you want this application to track you across all of your activities on your phone? And of course, I'm not going to say yes, you know, but I can't have both. I can't have adverts that are, are made, yeah. you know, correctly targeted to me and for, for that data not to get generated. If, if, you were, if, if we were all getting random adverts now for all kinds of different things that we weren't interested in and somebody came along and they said, look, if we can just take a little bit of your um, your behavior patterns what you like to look at what your interests are um all that kind of thing we can serve you ads that are more relevant to you that you're more interested in i mean that yeah it doesn't sound terrible to me i mean obviously you know there's this big threat of you know well people's you can use people's data against them and you can you know if it goes to insurance companies then they can put you pretty that's the that's the the sort of post you know the poster the warning if you will yeah. of what happens when when privacy is not upheld but i don't know i think um i think I, I would rather live in a world where i have a choice rather than that i'm told what i should think and what i should do and everything by by apple who basically they they do enjoy playing the the you know taking the moral high ground and yet you look at the kind of money that they're sat on and you just mm. think well think of all the social issues you could solve just by spending that money you know there's famine and and starvation and things like that that you could solve you could um you could pay your taxes you could um bring some of your manufacturing back to your back to the u.s or or whatever you you know you want to bring it back to but it, i don't know i just think they they give with one hand and take away with the other and i know that all companies are in it just for the shareholders and they're all in it for the money and everything else but i just um I don't know. I'm I'm feeling a bit more hippie-ish these days, and I yeah. think um, I'm looking forward to getting my OnePlus um, and and being feeling a little bit more like I'm a citizen of the internet rather than just an Apple person, you know. And be comfortable with the fact that uh, your Google phone will probably be slurping up. You know, I don't. I've, I was going to just put a figure on what percentage more behavioral data it would be but well interestingly enough james you know one one particular application that apple aren't putting that warning on when you open it up and that's the app store they're more than happy to take your data when you're browsing the app store and feed it back to their customers but of course that's a first party application so according to them it doesn't follow the same rules as third party applications yeah. i should actually say there is something I'm, I'm talking about google at the moment 
and I'm missing out on the elephant in the room, the big, sweaty, pale ginger elephant that is Mark Zuckerberg. And I, I don't agree with a lot of, you know, a lot of what he's produced, but I just, I just think Facebook itself and, and Instagram and whatnot, they've, they, they can be used for, for such good. Yeah. Um, but the problem with it is, of course, it's advertising dollars and they want your eyeballs and your eyeballs really are only interested when there's outrage and yeah. when there's uh, division and when there's yeah, yeah. bickering and things like that. And unfortunately that's, they've decided that, well, you know, that that's the business model, which is a real shame because, you know, it's very cool to hate Facebook and by extension, WhatsApp and Instagram and whatnot, but they are capable of producing a lot of good. You know, they keep families connected and, they provide a lot of free services, marketplace, and so on and so forth. And um, they don't ask for any money. Obviously, they make enough money from from advertising. But I tell you, our businesses would never have taken off had we not used Google adverts and Facebook adverts, and we continue to use Instagram adverts now. Um, and that's because we were a small business and we were growing. We wanted to get out there and we wanted to relevant people to see our our wares, if you will. Um, and we just couldn't have done it any other way. So why do you continue with Instagram but not Facebook and Google? Audience more than anything, I think. Um, Facebook got very, um, what's the word? It's very combative there. And, and I think um, Instagram's nice because it's really, it's just pictures. And, and you really have to go looking if you want to find the hate. Well, certainly in the circles that I run in. Yeah. Um, I find it a little bit, a little bit nicer that way. So your your posts on Facebook, even though they're not, uh, they're just trying to sell a service. You found them getting overrun by Nazis, as with uh, every other <laughs> corner of the Facebook. Well, interestingly, what I did was I changed my name to our company name. Well, the first half of our company name was my first name, and the second half of our company name was my surname. Um, in in as, as far as Facebook are concerned, I'd put a lot of random um, stats in there about myself. I have zero friends. I follow zero everything. All I've got the account for is to give me access to the support groups that we have, and also the advertising account that I so that I can put ads on um, Facebook and Instagram um, and use some of the services. But other than that, it's um, but it's interesting how they try and hook you back in. Yeah, that's, it sounds really good that you've got the. Um you've managed to find the right kind of clientele and advertising that works in a way that is pleasant uh, going through Instagram. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult as well because it depends. If you're a business that, um, you see, we're, we're a business that where we offer a service that you would not stumble across our website and go, oh, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Because it's not, it's our training courses that we do is not something that you would, it's not a casual purchase. Um, but what we do need is for when people are interested in our services, yeah. we need to be visible and we yeah. need to be front and center. And that's where Google's most help, to be honest. I mean, I, I would suggest that probably we're 80% Google, 20% social media, but uh, my daughter, who also does a lot of our social media, she would probably um, she'd probably say otherwise, but, you know, it's uh, horses for courses. Cool. So, yeah, we we'll look forward to hearing about the one plus nine pro it does sound like a really uh jam-packed device yeah i can't wait i'm really looking forward to it it'd be my first one plus uh, well aside what? from the the one plus one is the is the only other one plus phone i've ever had um 
I'll tell you what we haven't spoken about, which should probably save it for another episode, is my little foray into the Xiaomi ecosystem as well, um, which was quite nice, which I had a couple of months ago. Um, but we, we can uh, save that for another conversation if you, do you like. Do you still have it? No, I don't. Um, I had um, a Mi 10T Lite, and then I had a... That was a great phone. That was a fantastic all-round phone, and I was absolutely astonished at how much money you have to spend to get something of that quality. Um, the only issue with it was I like to play PUBG on the phone. And yeah. I did struggle a little bit with that. So I got rid of that, and I bought a, um, a Poco F2 Pro, which was also an incredible phone. And it's only when you get the fringe, when, when you try and do the fringe stuff, no, maybe not the fringe stuff, but... Um, so I was using that alongside uh, my iPhone, and I'd gone out to pick up. I forget what I was going to pick up now, but I got out in my car, and the sunshine was quite bright, and I couldn't read the the screen on the Poco, but I could on the iPhone. And I thought, yeah, you know, this is these are the little, yeah, yeah. these are the little perks that make it. That, that this is where you find out why it's only sort of two hundred pounds, but it had up to date. Um, top of the range um, chip in there and everything else. It ran PUBG really well. It was just fantastic. It was really, really good. Really good phone. And I'm, I'm hoping that the uh, that the nine Pro is going to be good as well. Um, I'm told that. Well, from what I'm reading, the ultra wide lens is really cracking. It's really good. So I'm looking forward to some to taking some some photos with that and getting some different effects and things. And also when the Google camera add-on comes out for it as well that'll give me another dimension to play with so yeah i hope i can make the change and i hope i can make it stick this time because my entire family are on apple and uh but my my uh, nine-year-old is making noises that she wants a samsung um okay. start doing some of the videos she does she, she does a lot of create content creation and things like that she's very i don't know where she gets that from because she doesn't get it from me she's very very creative um why would you want a samsung for video well because apparently you can get this recorder. It's kind of a screen recorder. It's a it's an app basically, and it allows a floating bubble in the corner where you can pause and restart and mess around with the video functions whilst you're doing other things. And there's just nothing really comparable. She has a an iPhone XR at the moment or a XR, um, and it's great and everything, but she doesn't use it very much. Um, so I think we'll probably end up trying to sell that and get an older, maybe a Note Nine or a you know an S ns10 ultra or something like that um and see how she she fares with that yeah it's fascinating isn't it that uh it is one app one little bit of app functionality can um move you from one ecosystem to the other so yeah yeah she's yeah she does some lots of stop motion and things like that with her with her barbies and oh, all that brilliant. Kind of thing. that's fantastic yeah and she's been she's been documenting the um the growth of this tadpole that she's got and oh, amazing. all the rest of it it is when when I watch her on her iPad, you know, when I'm just like observing her from the other side of the room, I've never shown her or taught her how to do anything at all with that iPad, and yet she pulls stuff in from the side, she's swiping in from the bottom, she's she's got various different chat things open, she's got Discord oh, open, she's chatting to a little friend in Canada. Um, we should have brought everything. her on to discuss the uh, paradigms of uh, iPad usage. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just really trying to find out what it is that she wants. She she has a, an Oculus that she, she didn't really use very much, um, a Quest 2. I think it's, yeah, Quest 2. She's got a, a desktop PC, which she likes a lot, but um, our house is a bit old and spooky, so she it's, um, it's difficult to... She won't just sit there and play on her own with it because she doesn't like being on her own in, 
in her bedroom and stuff like that when it's dark and whatnot because it's quite spooky. So I got her a, a Huawei laptop and she seems to like that. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to give her some options really and see where she lands. But cool. uh, it is interesting. There's no brand loyalty with these youngsters, you know. Yeah, it's cool that she can go. She can go from one ecosystem to the other seemingly more easily than you can. Yeah, absolutely. But mine is pure. I don't know. It's the it's the old saying of um, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, like my work setup. My work setup is absolutely fine. It's rock solid. I don't wish for anything else. And all it is is Windows ten um, and you know, I, I went and treated myself to a mechanical keyboard recently, but I didn't really get on with it. Didn't like it, so I'm back on my uh, on my what are the Logitech keys to go or whatever they're called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did treat myself to an ultra wide monitor, which is fantastic. That's um, Daniel Cunningham's recommendation. It's really, really good. Love it. Cool. All right. Well, as I say, we wait for your reports on the uh, new OnePlus Nine, and hopefully, speak soon. Brilliant. Yeah, it's just so much nicer speaking to someone other than Andy Hagen, I can't tell you. I can imagine. Um, I can absolutely yeah. imagine. He's an awful man. Anyway, I'll um, I'll speak to you again soon, and uh, hopefully we can make this a bit more of a regular. Cool. Brilliant. Cheers, Rich. Right. See you later. Thanks a lot. Cheers.